Hello, welcome to Shepherd the Sheep. Today, Gino and I are going to be talking about what it's like to have men lead a women's group. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's been a while. It has been a while. Yeah. Uh, some of our regular listeners probably wondered if we quit. <laughs> it's been since July, maybe. Oh, it has. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think last one was with Greg. Well, that's that's what happens in ministry. Yeah. Yeah, you get ministry stuff that happens that has to take priority over a podcast. Yep. Yep. Nothing. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, probably better that we're more committed to the ministry than to the podcast. Correct, yes. Yeah. But uh, thankful that uh, people still listen to some old stuff and are being helped by it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty encouraging um, people visiting us and actually hearing us because, hearing of us because of the podcast. So that's yeah. encouraging and glad that it helps people. Yeah, you know, um, uh, one of the reasons why we didn't do it is it was away and then we got back. We were going to do it and then I had my dad, my computer repaired. Um, and so... Uh, but it's interesting though, I was talking to those other pastors, I tell them about the podcast and they actually love the idea. Mm-hmm. And then when you talk to the people that have listened to us and got to know us a little bit through listening to sermons and listening to the podcast and they come visit the church, they kind of have a sense of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think as, as a leader, you, you want to like communicate your philosophy of ministry and what that looks like for your church. And you want people to kind of get to know you and to understand your style and your, your, the way you go about doing things, and that's what this podcast is for. Yeah, I think that's the key to just uh, the kind of membership that's engaged, um, where they understand how the leaders do ministry, how they think, you know, what they prioritize. Um, and that's why, I mean, that's why we did this podcast, because we yes. wanted to communicate in a way that, I mean, it kind of, COVID kind of brought it about, and it helped us communicate with people while we were not in their living rooms, Yeah, um, which is the great use of technology. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want to always be transparent. Mm, Yes. And uh, always happy to talk about the ministry. Always happy to have more people understand what we're trying to do, uh, what we're about, how we try to serve people. Uh, To me, uh, I know I said this at men's on Tuesday that uh, you can't just have one or two people doing all the work. You've got to have a team and everybody in the church is important. So the more like-minded we are in the way we do ministry, the better. Amen. Yeah. I know I, they, I remember an interview with uh, Tom Coughlin, who was the coach of the New York Giants. And they asked him about um, the Super Bowl. And he said, you have to have the best 52-man roster in the NFL. Which, if you think about that, and you know anything about the NFL, there are 22 starting players on offense and defense and you probably have a couple guys on both offense and defense that rotate in and out so if you have 11 starters um you kind of have probably a 15 or 16 man offense Mm -hmm. and you probably have the same thing for defense depending on different um uh 
different ways you line up, different situations, different scenarios. So sometimes you have three tight ends in the game. Sometimes you have three to four wide receivers. And so you have to have, right? So at some level you're like, okay, you're talking about 30, 32 guys for offense and defense. Well, you, But Tom Coughlin said 52, man. Right. Which means you have 11 on special teams. So you add a punter, a kicker. That's two more, so that takes you up to about 32. But that's still 20 other guys. So you have to have depth that can handle injuries. I'm just glad I know what you're talking about because I never followed football until I started playing fantasy football with you guys. So I kind of know what you're saying. Yes, you do. Yes. (laughs) I know what an RB1 and 2 and 3 is now. Yes. Yeah. Wow. You need some depth in that team. Yep. I totally get it. Yeah, absolutely. And same thing, you could totally relate relate that to the church. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's not just one or two people. It's um, at every level we're trying to train men and women up. That's right. So that they can minister to other men and women. And maybe not at the same level, but um, with their gifts and talents that God has given them and the, the theology that we're trying to pass along, as Paul has said. That's right. Pass along what you've learned. Yeah. So. And let's be fair. Um, I can't reach. You can't reach. The elders can't reach everybody. True. Uh, it's, there's some, you know, sometimes somebody comes to the church, gets to know, um, a non-public face, you know, somebody who's not up on stage and that person can minister in ways that we can't minister. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that, that's what this is about. Yes. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about something unique to Cornerstone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting part is we've been asked about this and we've also had good feedback. Okay. Um, so because uh, you or I or one of the elders leads the women's groups. Yeah. And uh, we've had women say, we actually like that you guys do this because they feel like we can go into a theological depth that maybe some, some of them are not prepared or ready to do or mm-hmm. called to do. And so the question before us today is, why do you have men lead the women's group? Mm. And hopefully what we'll spell out here is our thinking on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, because I think in in the question, we probably need to spend a couple of minutes talking about the question. Because I think um, the fact that the question's asked is an indicator that it's kind of abnormal. It is. I mean, usually people ask the question, "Well, you know, how do many? How do women fit in a yes. ministry role?" But yep. we're. It's like, why do you even lead a podcast with? Why you know, can men lead a a women's group? That's such an odd uh, way to uh, think about ministry. Um, yeah. yeah. So why ask if men can? lead a women's group yeah and i think um I, at least for us it came about um organically i think mm-hmm. yes right? yes we, we wanted a women's group but none of the women want to lead it i believe yeah so yeah like, none of them felt called to do it cor- correct yeah. or qualified um yes. but there is there is a question too that you know you could expand this question just a hair um and i and i think expanding the question will make will help make sense of the question that, you know, you kind of go, there's a tradition in churches. Um, like when it comes to children's church, who do you typically see leading like the elementary kids? Usually women. Usually women. Mm-hmm. And then you get up to youth group, and then usually you shift into a pastor leading the youth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it comes to adults, you know, we think of the pastors leading the church in corporate worship. Um, but so it almost gets weird sometimes when there's a man and children's, Mm -hmm. um, but never rarely question if there's women helpers or women leaders in, in the youth group, Mm -hmm. 
right? Especially if it's ultimately led by a pastor and then you're like, oh, okay, but there's like three or four different families that help with the youth. Uh, kind of makes sense, right? You got girls in the youth, guys in the youth. So it makes sense to have mixed company there. But then it still kind of sometimes can be weird to have a man, a man leading the women's group. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we want to talk about why biblically we don't have a problem with this. Mm, okay. Okay. Uh, I think in the question sometimes is the assumption that only a woman can lead women's group well. Mm. Gotcha. And I think that's that presupposition I kind of want to deal with. Okay. Um, because if only women um, can lead other women, then something weird is going on in Scripture. Okay, I'm tracking. Yeah, okay. So, um, right, you think about 1 Timothy 3, you think about Titus 1, and you have men are to be elders of the church. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you think of first Peter five shepherd, the flock of God among you. So those are broad statements. I mean, on the one hand they're defined statements, but on the other hand, they're broad. They're not like shepherd, the flock of God among you only in this way, right? It's like shepherd all of the flock of God among you. So as, as a man elder in the church, if if there's some kind of presupposition that only men can lead men and women can lead women, then there's something wrong with scripture. Right. Because that's shepherd the flock of God among you. And then the question comes to bear like, well, what would be wrong with scripture? Mm-hmm. You see, you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. I mean, there's also the other side of that where we're all called to be disciples. Yes. And we're all called to be learners yes. of Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, if you have, um, and you know, I, I guess our church is unique in that we do have a men's group, um, and a women's group and, and Bible studies midweek kind of, we heavily emphasize midweek, but there are churches out there, um, that their main kind of ministry is Sunday, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you disciple uh, on a smaller scale men and women so that they can both be learners Yeah, and, and they can both handle navigate the world theologically with good theology um you know and typically i I think traditionally the men usually will have like a traditional men's group and then there's a traditional women's group which is what you're kind of yeah bringing up yeah um yeah so the the other it's like how do you how do you have a how do you have a a rich you know women's group where they can be disciplers and disciple you know they can be discipled and be learners of rich theology as well. Yeah. I think just kind of out the outset, I think I wired my answer Mm -hmm. slightly geared towards the naysayer of the way we do this. Gotcha. Maybe the skeptic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. I have the skeptic in mind, the person who might go, yeah, I kind of hear what you're saying that men are elders and they're the shepherd of the flock of God. But right. So I kind of have that person in mind in this answer. Mm, okay. um, a little bit of like, I would like to lead you out of that thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, everything we're going to say, I acknowledge Titus 2. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys know that I'm a huge fan of allowing Titus 2 to be a major instrumental part of your discipleship where older women raise up younger women and older men raise up younger men. Um, and I think that's, 
I think that's good. And by the way, in our answer, I'm going to say that that actually is influential in the way I understand ministry and the way things actually work. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about men leading women, what we're not saying is that women have no voice into other women. Mm. In fact, we promote that. Right. Okay. Um, but let's just start with the gospel. Okay. Let's start with the reality of the historical gospel. Jesus Christ came to earth, a man, fully man, fully God, like gender. He is a male. He's not asexual. He's not half man, half woman. There's not two saviors, Christ and Christy. There's Christ, Jesus, the Christ, the son of God, the high priest of every believer who can sympathize according to Hebrews two with every believer and, and Hebrews four. Uh, to the last paragraph in chapter 2, and then 4, 14 to 16. Mm-hmm. We have this great high priest who can intercede on our behalf, right? So a woman can go to Christ and, you know, pray, Lord, you know, I'm struggling with my husband. I don't feel like he understands me. Um, I don't feel like his love for me is is biblical. I don't feel like it's fair. And, and Christ doesn't hear that prayer and go, man, I wish there was a woman in the Trinity to help Mm. me understand her perspective. Interesting. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Christ is the great shepherd and he is the one we are becoming conformed to the image of. Now, I don't think there's a woman part of Christ that they're conformed to in a man part of Christ. Like we are being conformed to the character and nature of Jesus Christ Mm. with our gender intact. So, at the outset, we're also not denying there are differences in the gender. Mm-hmm. And I think the question is often a well-natured question of, well, but women have certain needs that may, or certain issues that maybe men don't have. How do you navigate those issues? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very fair point to consider. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I also think the way we do things and what we're trying to promote to be done in the church acknowledges that and and hopefully just to give the answer to later in the podcast. Now, hopefully we have women who are mature enough who are able to specifically give wisdom to other women to handle very specific situations. Right. I think so. Okay. So, and we do, we have older women that, that I would happily like, Hey Kyle, I don't know how to answer that, but you might pick the brains of, and I could probably throw out about 10 names Mm -hmm. and they would be great women to go to, to pick their brains. Hmm. Okay, but let's talk about the goal of the men and women's and children's group because we do have men. We have a man, a couple men that lead children's. Um, we have some women involved in youth. Uh, we have men involved in youth, and we have men involved in men's group and men involved with women's group. Uh, and so, at the gospel level, we our goal is to teach scripture, and what does scripture say? about our worship and our servants service. So at that point, that is a, that is kind of a genderless goal. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yes. Like there might be nuanced fine tuning that kind of pertain to your role as a wife or your role as a mother, or your role as a father, or your role as a, as a husband. But there's also principles that are the same for both men and women. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as elders, we need to be, we are aware of that. In fact, I think we do a pretty good job of engaging with women enough to where we, we even kind of hear them speak and their concerns and their issues. Mm. And I mean, even at the elders retreat, we had six, seven women there around the table talking to us about issues. And we had very pointed questions and we had a time where they could just speak and say what's on their mind. But we also asked them questions about, hey, from, from a mother's perspective, from a wife's perspective, and we heard what they have to say. Now, that's a once-a-year elders retreat, but I think we do that throughout the year. Like, if, if you came to me and said, you know, are there women that influence your elders' decisions? I'd be like, well, yeah, my, my wife. I mean, your wife, like right. Chelsea, you know, Michelle. I mean, we listen to them. We, we hear them, and, and they, they know people. They know women in the church and, and on some level are able to represent those women and speak for them. I know uh, my guess is that if you ask Caitlin or Amber, that, that both of them would acknowledge that many times we have listened to them when we brought issues up before them and heard their perspective as a mother, as a wife. Um, so part of that, right, is being aware of the different perspectives. Right. Okay. But I think I'll get into that in a little bit. Back to the gospel. Um, there's so much I want to say. I got I to gotta hone it in here a little bit. We are in the business of influencing people on how God thinks so that you will follow the Holy Spirit's leadership in worshiping Jesus Christ in a way that honors him and serving other people in a way that honors him. Okay. And there are just principally foundational issues, principles, that are almost genderless in their principle. Agreed. Okay, like walk humbly with your God. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the same for men and women. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Even in marriage, uh, we tell the men all the time, you really need to seek to understand your wife. We don't look at women and say, you don't need to understand your husband. Like we look at women and say, you need to understand your husband. And, and to be fair, sometimes it's easier for a woman to understand a man. Mm. You know, there's like, I've had wives say, well, there's really only like three things men need in life to get through. And you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, let he who has ears hear. That's probably, there's probably some truth to that. Uh, although I have learned that, that, that that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes the stereotypes out there are not, they're not true. Uh, you know, some of the different stereotypes that, that in relationships, the man always wants intimacy more than the woman. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, there are women who want it more than the men, um, you know, or women are better communicators about the relationship to men. Not true. There are women in the church who are not as good at articulating their thoughts and feelings as their husband. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be case for a few of us elders. Mm-hmm. Um, so at some level, if, if you, if you put the stereotypes too broad, and then allow these broad sweeping stereotypes to influence the way you do ministry, you're going to miss, you're going to, you're going to miss the target sometimes. Right. So ideally every time you speak, you can speak directly to somebody and that specific person's issue. Mm -hmm. Does this make sense? Yes. Like ideally you can zero in and target something in such a way that hits every person. Well, I think this is, is this, is this kind of where the spirit comes into? I think so, so. So you're talking about like general enough principles that are genderless. Yes. That the spirit will take. And I've seen women do this and they'll apply 
you know, let's just say the expectation, our expectations kind of spiel yeah. in their specific scenario. Um, and they do it because the, the number one, they, they want to honor Christ yeah. and the spirit leads them to honor Christ and the spirit tells them, Hey, in this situation, uh, you need to, you need to lower your expectations, uh, on some, on, on, on your spouse and maybe, um, put more expectation on yourself, you know, yeah, to honor the Lord. So, um, I've seen it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, you and I have seen this. Yes. Like we, we have led women's group and one of the beauties is like it, our women's group's the same as all of our groups. You know, you have an hour of food and fellowship, some time of prayer, and then you have the, the discussion and, I don't know if you've seen this, but I mean, I'm sure you have, right? Where even in your discussion, one of the women will say something like, hey, you said this. And what it made me realize with my husband is this. And you're sitting there like, well, I didn't say that. Like, I guess we gave the general principle, but the spirit led you to see exactly what you're talking about. That maybe I need to lower my expectations for my spouse and instead try to understand myself spouse and serve my spouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the spirit does lead his people. Yes. Yeah. And there's a second bonus here where you have more mature women who you're able to privately pick that woman's brain and she's able to provide counsel to you. That's helpful as well. Right. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, all that to say, um, we'll talk about that here in a minute, but, um, our goal is to lead people to be like Jesus Christ. And when you look at the Bible and ask the question, Lord, how do I lead somebody to be like Jesus Christ? The answer is found in the Timothys. You know, first Timothy, read scripture, exhort it, practice it. And then second Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season. So God has told us that centering your ministry on the word of God and teaching the word of God makes disciples and equips them for every good work. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So, Again, Timothy, Paul doesn't say to Timothy, okay, Timothy, pull the men aside and do this for the men and then pull the women and then find a woman who can pull the women aside and do this for the women, right? By the way, now I even understand as we're talking why it's becoming popular for some churches to have the man pastor and the woman pastor and they take turns preaching. Mm. But I have a problem with that. Well, what's the, uh, what, what would you say that the reason is? Well, probably identity issues. Gotcha. Okay. So what's interesting is in the church lately, we've been talking about identity. Identity is bound up in this. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a, you're, your belief in Christ makes you a child of God. And according to uh, Genesis or uh, Galatians chapter 3, there's no longer Greek nor Jew, man nor woman. What he's not saying is that your gender goes away or your nationality goes away. What he's saying is those are no longer your identifying markers in Christ. That instead, now when God sees you, he sees you as child of God, united to the Son. That's your identity. Mm-hmm. And so we've been talking a lot about that. Your work's not your identity. Your parenting's not your identity. And that, that's an amen for some parents, right? For the parent whose five kids grows up, is walking to the Lord, and they're missionaries around the world, and deacons and elders, and and, you know, these like very respectable people, that's great, right? Because you can go, oh, look at the parenting work was great. But there are some godly parents who are amazingly humble, loving people. And their kids are, are not, you know, they're not the kids you talk about at holidays with your relatives. Mm-hmm. You know, and that some parents feel like 
oh, that's my, you know, oh, I'm, I'm less of a parent because of this. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not necessarily less of a parent. You know, yes, you may have made mistakes, but each kid at some point has to own their own behavior. Mm-hmm. And you're not less of a parent because your child's not walking with Jesus Christ. Like your kid made a decision. And, and while your kid's still alive, there's hope. So, right, God could still do some miraculous things, and we pray so. But all that to say that, like, we are bound to kind of put our identity. The temptation is to, to put your identity in other things. Yep, I think that's why we tend to be goal-driven. Because yes. if we achieve those goals, then, hey, we're great people. Yes. When in reality, um, yeah, we, we, we should not be goal-driven in that sense, right? Yeah. We are... Um, uh, what's the um, what's the other word I'm looking for for um, results results driven yeah because yeah. the results don't define you yes yeah you can have two equally smart intelligent people start a business and one succeeds and one fails and it doesn't make the one the failure mm-hmm. you know but in our world it kind of does like Bezos is right he's just a successful businessman. Well, at some level, right place, right time. And in God's providence and sovereignty, he decided that Bezos was going was gonna to make those leaps that some other people maybe weren't in the right place, right time, right position to make those leaps. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, because Bezos didn't do that on his own. I mean, his investors lost money for, what, 10, 15 years before they even started making money. Mm-hmm. So he had to sell them on a long-term plan. Um, and maybe somebody else just was not, in the, was not put in the right position under God's providence to have those connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And how this connects back to women is this, that if, if the identity first and foremost is I'm a woman and I need a woman to tell me about myself, well, then the goal is to be more of a woman. Okay. Yeah. But the Bible says the goal that God is working in you, not that he wants to, that he's working in you is that Philippians one, six, he who begins a good work in you, he will complete it. And that work is to be like Jesus Christ. Mm, So all of us in our glorified bodies, we we are still going to be men and women in our glorified bodies, but we're going to be like Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So that's the goal. Yeah. Not being more women or more men. Yes, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And so then the question that I have is has the Bible equipped shepherds, elders, to be able to shepherd women? And I have to say the answer is yes. Yes. I think the weird thing is, it's okay, why, I guess the naysayer would say, well, why, why should you lead a woman's group? Yeah. It's a woman's group. Yes. And the answer is because what is our primary goal? What is the primary content that we should be teaching? Christ. Christ. Yeah. Now, can a man... Tell women about Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I get it. Women women have, it, women go through things once a month that I'm never going to go through. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and no man out there who wants to become a woman is ever going to be able to adopt that once a month issue. Right. Okay. So I get it. Like, like right there. And women think differently than men. And that's okay. Um, I think being aware of that is helpful. Like, I think one of the things you see in marriages that's a struggle is the women want the men to think like them and the men want the women to think like them. And that's just never going to happen. And there's a part of me that's like, that's why grace is so cool because God does give us the tools to understand each other. Even if it takes time, heartache, and pain, 
we can still do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may not ever fully understand, but that's okay. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, because you can, you can still walk with your wife even if you don't fully understand her, and she can still walk with you even if she doesn't fully understand you. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the beauty of it. So at a, men, at a men and women's group and youth group and children's group, the goal is to teach Christ and put Christ before them. That is something an elder is qualified to do. Yes. And if he's not able to do that, then he's not an elder. Right. Yes. So that's why we don't have a problem with, with the men's group, with, with men leading women. Mm. So maybe maybe the question then, why, why, have a, why have a separate group and just do men with women? Yeah, and that's a good question. There's a part <laughs> of me sometimes that wonders, what if we just open Tuesdays up to anybody? Right. Um. Maybe some of that's in the fellowship. I, well, I, I have an answer to that. Oh, good. Let's hear your answer. My an, but a lot of it is just practical. Yes. It's, there's children involved. Yep. There's work schedules involved. So it, it, in some sense, it's like divide and conquer. Yeah. Because like when the women go, uh, and you know, we try to encourage this, hey, husbands, Mag, do your wife a favor and take those kids and, and, and give her those, those two, two, two and a half hours to, to hang out with other women and, you know, learn, like, enjoy scripture, enjoy theology together with other women um, so that they can encourage one another, pray together, specifically women with men, with women, which harder to do when you have a mixed group. Yes. So I, I think that's my answer. My answer is, practically speaking, it makes sense to do it, um, especially if you're uh, we're trying to educate, um, right, both men and women at a deeper level. Uh, take them through, you know, we have a, a, a curriculum that we take them through. And so we take men through certain books and we take women through the same books. Not different. It's the same thing. It's just we cycle through them yep. and it's helpful to everybody. Yes. No, that's a great, that's a great reason. Um, I also think in that naysayer's perspective, they probably don't understand the amount of ministry that happens just in the fellowship time. Right. Yeah. Just three women getting to know each other better mm-hmm. in the fellowship time. Right. In, in the moment, it provides something. But if you think about the long haul of life, solidifying those relationships is also beneficial for the long haul. Absolutely. Yeah. So that you're in the trenches, you know, your anxiety is high, your stress is high. You need to talk to somebody at that point. That's where those relationships shine Mm -hmm. because you say, wait a minute, can I rely like, Oh, you know what? I can call Julie and she can chat with me about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think just the, the, the intentional investments uh, and creating those um, opportunities to invest yeah. in relationships in a very unique way where it's just women with women um, is important, especially in a busy world that we live in, you know, where they're not, you know, it's not like we live in a small town and they rub shoulders because they're, they're walking to the well together to fetch water or something. Yeah. Everyone has their own home. We all live miles apart. We have to drive a car to see each other. You, you almost have to be extra intentional in the kind of world that we live in. Yeah. Um, and, and so I remember just being in LA, just going to Bible studies was such a hard thing to do, but you had to be so intentional and encourage people to do the hard drive, yeah. fight through traffic, you know, bring your children. It's very difficult sell. <laughs> it's, it is. It's like, why wouldn't we have great preaching on Sunday? Yeah. Um, because it's important. It is important. Um, it, it actually strengthens your faith and it makes you a better disciple and 
grows you as a disciple maker. And I mean, the list goes on and on. It does. So yeah, it's worth it. It is. And, and that's where the whole two hours is ministry. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, some people stay later and that's great. And so ministry happens even after that in the unscheduled time. Yes. Yeah. And I think, so for one, it's telling somebody, you know, you break, you look at the breakdown of the components there. You have the fellowship time, which is where we get what you're talking about. So you're talking about the men really only teaching for about 45 minutes to an hour in some kind of discussion where we're opening scripture. Uh, right now we're going through that relationships book by Lane and Tripp. So you're also talking about their observations of the text and what that means for relationships. And so that's where we're leading that discussion at a principal level. And we are able to talk about things like, Hey, look, if you're, if you're trying to find your identity in your husband, you're, you're setting your own self up for failure and disappointment because you're asking your husband to be your savior and he's not your savior. Mm. And that's something that a wife needs to hear. Absolutely. And sometimes better to hear that not from your husband. Mm, Yep. Yep. And, but we tell the men the same thing. That's a good point, by the way. Yes. Because I think um, uh, in some models of ministry, it's like your husband has to teach you everything. Yeah. And actually, you know, the the church is gifted to teach you everything, not just your husband. That's right. That's why I I put my children in front of other people uh, I trust and love at the church. Because I know they're going to learn stuff from them that they're not going to learn from me. That's right. And same thing with my wife. Yes. And that's good. Yep. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, even too, you throw sin into the equation, which is it's just there. Sometimes a spouse will try to lead another spouse in a very selfish way. Mm. And the, though it may be right, sometimes it's still wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got to be a, the nice part about having a pastor there who's maybe a, a little removed from those situations in your life. Sometimes things are said that need to be said, but are not intentionally said with those nefarious motives. Right. You know, like you're like taking sides and they're like, oh, you're just taking his side. Yeah, no. Like, no, we just happened to bring this up and you just happened to be in the situation. And now now it's time for you to take it, let the spirit minister to you and learn. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's good. Those are good. And you hope that, you hope that that time away with other women actually makes your time with your spouse even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or with your kids or your coworkers or wherever, where, wherever relationships God has put in your life, you hope there's, there's a sense in which, right. You go into like, you go into battle or you go into the game and you play the game. And then there's a reason for practice. Practice is to bring up, Hey, we need to learn this. We need to address this. Here's our weakness. We need to know how to navigate this in a way. That's kind of what Bible studies are. Mm. You know, like it's that withdrawal from life, the game plan practice session where we can talk about what's going on in your, in your actual life and then start to infuse what the Bible has to say about these issues. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So, and that's that's where I think the best for an attendee to a Bible study, like for whether it be for the men or the women, I want to say to them, you know, when you come, you're not leaving your problems at the door. You're, you need to bring them with you, and you need to hear what God's will is, and you need to say, wait a minute, do I need to rethink the way I'm handling this situation? Or, you know, you might even hear something that says, oh, I'm doing it right, and maybe that's because sometimes you need, you need the encouragement of, hey, you're doing it right, just you can't control the results. Mm. So, 
you know, you cut, if you bring, if you bring your kitchen with you and bring it into the study with you and are willing to allow the study to change the way you do life, right? God can use these studies to help shape you to be more like Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, I love that analogy uh, because, you know, just talking about, I'm sure with any professional sport, right? Game day is that, is that day of the week and the rest of the days are for practice. Yeah. Um, and for in real life, it's like life game day is like every day. Yes. But you don't put in, you put in practice one day, Yeah, you know, and that practice for, for most people, that's a Sunday. I mean, you need a lot more practice than that. Yes. You need a lot more practice time to refine the skills you need to refine the knowledge that you need to, um, approach great game day with a game plan yeah. and be able to ex- execute those plans. Um, so yeah, I, I love the anal- analogy. It just it's flipped because, I mean, game day is like twenty four seven, and none and not many are prepared. Right. So yeah, and you hope, and that this is where, what what I pray happens, is the principles apply to everybody, right? Like again, there's not a, uh, love one another as I have loved you, right? There's no caveat to that, unless. Or except for, right? It's, it's a broad statement. And so to hear at a, at a study, hey, our responsibility as believers is to, is to engage in love with a servant loving, with a servant loving heart. And that love would define the way we minister to people. Like that's a good discussion. Mm-hmm. However, at this point, you may have the question of like, well, but, what about me specifically in this situation? Uh, and I think that's where the fellowship is so strong because as you develop those relationships with other women, you start to learn, hey, one, I'm not alone, that other, other women, other men have the same issue with me. You know, I, you know you, you, we mentioned to the men frequently, you know, I know your wife's hard to understand sometimes. And again, no guy in the room's like, oh, no, you know, it's just you, Pastor. Like <laughs> every guy in the room's like, yep. Yep, yep. And it's because it's real. It's yeah. true. And so by even making all the guys aware that, hey, this is a common problem, you're trying to nudge the door open to, hey, it's okay to talk about these things with other guys. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't, we don't want to turn this into slam your spouse sessions. But I think it's fair for a wife to say, hey, I don't understand I know I'm supposed to love my husband, but when he's being very difficult, how do I then love my husband through his difficulties? And I think that's where the fellowship becomes very key. And this goes back to even to our podcast with Brad Arnold before he went to, to be with Christ that, um, you know, the sermons can only, can only pinpoint so much, but, but in the fellowship is where you can really take those principles and isolate the wisdom and the game plan for you specifically in your life. Yes. That's how you do the counsel one another, by the way. Yes. Uh, it's hard to do that at service, which I, I think that, you know, um, that, that, that makes a case for not necessarily more services, yeah, but more fellowship. Yes. Um, now, service is important, but I think one big one with everybody there is great, if, if, uh, if possible. Um, but... Fellowship, you know, just sprinkled throughout the week uh, allows for the one another's, allows for the counsel one another, you know, praying for one another and um, loving one another. Uh, it allows for those kinds of intentional um, intentional ministry that can't always take place on a Sunday where everyone's kind of busy yeah. um, trying to put together the Sunday service. Yeah. 
but even on Sunday, we were intentional because we try we we have time afterwards. Yep. Uh, where we have food and coffee and people can hang out. Um, so there's always this, that intentionality of um, using the giftedness of each member to serve the other, uh, whether in midweek ministry or, or on Sunday service. Yeah. And you hope in the fellowship, that's where people are willing to say something. Mm-hmm. You know, where they're willing to ask questions of, hey, what do I do with this situation? Mm-hmm. What, how do I, how do I handle this? And so when somebody brings out to me, you know, this, this idea of like, but women might have specific issues that you don't have answers to. The answer is yes, no. Mm. Yes. Because the Bible addresses it. No, I'm not always sitting there thinking, okay, what I, what do I know about Julie and what can I say to Julie's specific situation publicly? But, the answer is also yes, in that Julie can get help from other women or even stay after, which has happened, and ask specifically, hey, pastor, how do I navigate this issue with my kid? Mm-hmm. You know, my husband and I are thinking this. No, that's a good that's a good plan. You just have to be patient. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, and that, that's where the fellowship does does open the door for wisdom discussions. Yes. And so if you if you really don't understand our, our philosophy of ministry in this, you have to understand there's what the Bible says that we must do, but then there's also doing it with wisdom and wisdom requires knowing your context, your situation, um, the specific details of the situation. And then, okay, how do I take what the Bible says and honor God and wisely serve and worship God through this situation? Mm-hmm. And that, that's where, that's why we say wisdom is often the missing discussion in ministry because people are prone to want these sweeping black and white rules the problem is the sweeping black and white rules don't always provide the wisdom needed for the specific issue. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And people are difficult. People are muddy. Um, the Bible's clear. And in a lot of ways, the Bible's black and white. People are not black and white. We are a combination of multiple motives, multiple actions, and multiple feelings. We are not ever just, you know, we're not dogs, mm-hmm. right? We can't just be trained to sit by looking at a cookie. Um, you know, a lot of us are like, well, why do I need to sit? You know, mm-hmm. and, and we need we need other wisdom that to filter into that. That's helpful because I think uh, a lot of Christendom kind of sets up a a, a straw man, I guess, of like yeah. what ministry looks like, and it doesn't look like that. It's like, oh, you just give them a pill. Yes, you know, like, oh, here's the here's the verse and chapter. Read that, you're good. Yes, or do this. No, it's like it's a lot more nuanced than that. Yeah. Um, well, and even even then, working with somebody, right? Like you you take somebody who doesn't can't spend their money wisely and you sit down and you show them the wisdom of, of a budget and they go, okay, like you're talking, you know, in some cases you're talking about somebody who's 30 years old, 35 years old. Like they're not going to learn how to operate on a budget overnight. Mm -hmm. It's going to take some time and it's going to take some self-control and it's going to take a lot of issues. And so again, if your idea is, well, I told them once, well, (laughs) again, you know, they're going to have, they're going to go home and go, okay, how do I make this work for us? You know, and some of these people are going, well, I wrote a budget and I looked at my bills and I looked at my income and I was like, oh, geez, my credit card debt is so high that it's more than my income. And Mm. so then it's like, okay, wisdom in navigating those waters. How do you navigate those waters? And so you have to expect second, third, fourth conversations. And Mm -hmm. this is also kind of your, to your pill point, 
lot of people expect what you say at once that should solve the problem. And that that's the reality is that um, most problems are not worked out in one conversation. They're worked out over a time period of now helping that person navigate the different waypoints in the road. Yeah. The different nav points, Yeah, which yeah, if yeah. you don't know what a nav point is, that's like the airplane takes off mm. and it's going from like Washington to LA. It, it may like, you know, after 230 nautical miles, it may have to turn one direction slightly half a degree and then another 230 turn again. So those are nav points where you have to kind of shift the plane a little bit so mm-hmm. that you land in Washington. Wow. Didn't yeah. know you're a pilot. Well, you know, I'm not. <laughs> um, but but from what I understand, it's super it's super complex. Super easy. <laughs> now, according to the pilots, I know it's like super complex and we should be thankful they're up there. And, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like even though they're just drinking coffee for most of the flight and doing what the tower tells them. But <laughs> <laughs> they're concentrating. Uh, yeah, they're concentrating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's one pilot, if he listens to this, it'd be like, he'll say something. <laughs> you know who you are. Your wife was right. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, anyway, then it's, you know, navigating these issues is sometimes getting to one nap point mm-hmm. and then starting changing the flight a little bit to get to the second nap point. Right. And all of it's guided by God's word. And that's what we can speak into. Mm-hmm. Um, we can mm-hmm. speak into God's word. Yeah. Now, would you love for a woman to lead women's group? Yeah, it'd be great. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. So not, it's not that we're... Yeah, it's we're not, not anti. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. And, and you know, uh, we bring this up quite habitually to the women. Mm-hmm. And they say, no, you guys are doing fine. Okay, cool. We'll keep going. All right. You know, and that, that's, that's the reality, right? Because we're opening God's word and saying, here's what God's word says. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the specifics are things that, that we can sometimes help you with but also other women can help you with those as well. Mm. You know, like an older woman may be able to help you navigate the different physiological problems that are accompanied with your once a month friend, mm-hmm. you know, whereas I, I may not be able to help you navigate that. True. I can Google it. <laughs> WebMD has all the answers. You have cancer. Oh, yeah. no, <laughs> oh, no it's not cancer. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so I think and that that's even that's even a part of it. As shepherds of the church, we are aware that not everybody's life is the same, not everybody's background's the same, not everyone's situation's the same. And and that's that's easy to prove. Right? Think about where did you grow up? Not everybody in the church went to the same school. Mm-hmm. Not everybody in the church had the same parents. Some of us come from broken families, some from not broken families. Some of us grew up with abusive parents. Some of us did not grow up with abusive parents. Um, All of us in the church have different financial statuses, right? We're not all middle class. We don't all make the same amount of money. Um, So navigating those responsibilities is different as well. So that's where we as elders are aware that we're not trying to get the women to think like men. We're trying to get the women to think like Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to get the men to think like Jesus Christ. And then we're trying to say, okay, now take, take what you know about Jesus Christ and apply it to the roles that God has put in your life. Be a good steward of the relationships God has put in your life and serve them for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's a good point. Uh, you know, just uh, I feel like in this day and age, at least in America, um, we have cultures and subcultures 
it's so uh, it's almost vastly different than New Testament times. I think they they had much more of a a, a culture that's um, uh, the same. Um, we're we're so vastly different different backgrounds. So it just it does take a lot more wisdom and a lot more time um, to to work through. I would I would even say like gosh, in in a sense, like it's almost harder to do ministry these days because you have to navigate through all those differences. Yeah, it makes ministry much more complicated. Yeah. Yeah, in our church, I had to learn that there's a percentage of the church that because of their Asian background is vastly different from somebody who grew up in the South. Mm-hmm. And even the even navigating post-marriage family relationships with your in-laws and your parents, right? Like uh, most of the white people I know, their parents are not overbearing into the relationship. But that's not the case for every Asian family, mm-hmm. you know, and some of them are being pressured. Well, you have to honor your parents. And so even navigating that requires a different up understanding of different cultures yeah. that are representing your church. Yeah. And it also makes a case for not being a cultural warrior. Yes. Because sometimes, you know, you have to learn to work within the culture yeah. and not necessarily, not necessarily change the culture itself. Right. Um, because sometimes culture in itself is not in and of itself bad. Right. Um, it's just that, um, you know, we just have different cultures. Yes. And navigating in those cultures with biblical principles is actually what we're after. Yeah. In fact, Strow in his book, Leading with Love, points that out. Like, if you're in a culture and you know it's offensive to the culture to use a word. Let's say refrigerator is offensive to your culture. He's like, find a different word for that culture so that when you use that word, you're more loving and your ministry is more impactful rather than insisting upon refrigerator Mm. because, well, biblically, you can say that word. Right. And it's a real, like when I first read it, I didn't like it because it was like, oh, the gospel, don't be afraid to preach the gospel. But then when you, second time I read it, I was like, no, I see the wisdom now in what he's saying. Mm -hmm. I can communicate the same truths without the refrigerator. Communicate the same truths without refrigerator. It's more loving for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The principle there is love. Yes. It's, it's, it takes work. You're, you're trying to communicate, a, a message that's transcendent because God's transcendent, but you have to be loving enough so that you're learning, you know, what it takes to communicate that same message without being unnecessarily offensive, for example. Yes. Yeah. And how this relates back to women is being aware that it is different, that that life is different for a wife and a mother than from a father and a husband. Yep. And so there, I think any good elder has to stop and slow down and say, wait a minute, am I contemplating the needs of both men and women? Am I con- Not necessarily needs, but am I contemplating life from their perspective? And that's where you're trying to understand. Honestly, I think it's even, you're, you're a better shepherd if you kind of understand women a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you try to understand some of the different women in the church. I'm not saying take them out on dates, but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. to listen to them and to, to listen to their fears, their their issues, their complaints, their joys, the things that they get excited about. I mean, one of the weirdest things is, you know, the jokes at, at a men's group on Tuesday and then the joke at the jokes that fly around at a women's <laughs> group on Tuesday, they are not the same. <laughs> Which and, are funnier is my question. <laughs> well, listen, you're trying to get me in trouble. Uh, but there's a reason why we have books on dad jokes yep. and not books on mom jokes. Uh. There's a market there. There's a, see, there's, there's, I'm just saying there's something about the dad joke, but you know, like you hear them talk and laugh and they're all laughing and you're kind of like, okay, that's funny to women. And you're like, okay, I don't get it, but it's funny. 
you know, I'm glad they think it's funny. And that, mm-hmm. you know, so just to even be aware. And I think a good shepherd has to realize that. Like I, like I think when Jesus went to the woman at the well, was he aware of probably how she felt being an outcast from other women in the society she was in? Mm-hmm. You know, even if her five divorces were biblical and right, she was an outcast for them. Right. And was Jesus aware of that? I think so. Right, he didn't come in as as a man who identified as a man who saw masculinity as superior to femininity. He ministered to her in a way that that accepted her gender, that accepted where she was at in life, her struggles, her fears, and he still ministers the gospel to her, but in a way that probably was able to kind of break down some of those barriers mm-hmm. so that she heard what he wanted her to hear. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good shepherd is listening to both genders, asking the question, Hey, what, what is it from these genders? Yeah. You know, and I, I just think that's a good, a good shepherd in my opinion um, is not trying to just shove a masculine Christianity onto people. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Would it be fair just to say, like, listen to them as individuals? Even? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So sometimes you said, like, gender, genders. I, I, I think there's a statistic out there where it's like, we're like the same by, or, or different by only like two or 3% or something. Probably. Yeah. Um, I don't know why we process information slightly different. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, but, but even then, like, you, you know, there are some women who, right, again, if you said, if you said, if I, if I gave you a question, what gender is more likely apt to handle your financial books of your household better? Mm-hmm. I think a young person might be predisposed to say, to give one gender. Mm-hmm. I think somebody who's walked with husbands and wives for some time are going to go, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a genderless issue. True. Because right. There are people in the church. There are guys who are like, oh, my wife handles that. She's better at it. And then there are wives in the church who are like, my husband handles that. He's better. Mm-hmm. And again, is one of them right or wrong? I don't think so. Right. You know, you cook. Mm-hmm. A couple other guys in the church do most of the cooking in the house. Is that a gender? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. are you are you a woman at that point? No, of course not. Oh, throw it down. Throw it down hard like a man. Right. In the <laughs> Right. I mean, right. A lot of professional chefs for the longest time were men. Is that yeah. true? Yes. I got, I got my fact checker in the background. Absolutely. I got the head nod. Yes. Yep. Now, now you see on TV both women and men from all different cultures. Yeah. But again, is it like, you know what I mean? Like, is a man better in the kitchen than a woman at a professional level? I don't think so. You know, I mean, to still today, one of the best managers I ever had was a woman. Mm-hmm. And she was better than some of the men I ever had because she was able to articulate her expectations. And she was better at sticking to those expectations than some of the men. Some of the men would come in and their expectations changed with their emotions. And you're like, man, this guy is emotional. And I don't know whatever emotional damage you had this morning, but it was enough to, to make life working for you a bear because all of us thought we were about one, thought we were to be doing one thing. And today that one thing that you've drilled in us for six months is now no longer the thing. And you didn't communicate anything to us. Mm -hmm. That's hard to work under. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Even, even the idea that, um, you know, the only one gender can do this or that is a problem. Right. Yeah. But scripture says men are to shepherd the flock of God among them. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, I would uh, still say there's, I mean, obviously there's, you know, there, there, there's going to be jobs that mostly men do, for example, and yes. mostly women do. Yes. Because of the characteristic of the job. Yes. Right. And, and that I don't have a problem with. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's normal. That's life. Yeah. And that doesn't make one more valuable than the other. Correct. Yeah. But I think being aware of the different perspectives of the people in your Bible study is helpful. And that's something I think we strive real hard to do. You know, when, when somebody is lamenting their spouse or talking about the struggles of their spouse and not trying to bash their spouse, but hey, how do I navigate this? At that point, you have to listen and try to understand that person and understand that situation. And you're not trying to fix the spouse. You're trying to f- help that person navigate his or her spouse in the situation. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think a shepherd can do that. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of what I'm actually doing, right, is not fixing the problem. It's really helping them respond biblically. Yes. Because, again, sometimes the problem is there to bring out the things that God wants to fix in us. Yes. Sometimes I feel that. Yes. Yeah. Well, and even, even sometimes I've, you tell a couple, like, you're going to argue. Mm-hmm. Because you're two people, <laughs> right, in the same house. So let's help teach you how to argue in a godly way. Mm-hmm. How do you? Do, I mean, right, disagreeing in a godly way. How do you navigate that disagreement? Mm-hmm. There's a godly way to handle it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that—that's our job. Our job is thus saith the Lord. Yep. And and to help influence people to understand what God thinks. Yep. Yeah, and I would argue that transcends gender. Mm-hmm. Again. Christ, not Christ and Christy. Mm. So I actually think part of this maybe is wound up in the problem of our culture. Mm-hmm. You know, well, we need we need a leader that looks exactly like us. No, you don't. Yeah, not you don't you don't necessarily need a, a leader that came from your same culture with your same gender has the same amount of kids you do, and you're the type B and your spouse is the type A. You don't necessarily need the exact same leader. You need a leader that understands that, but ultimately understands what the Bible says and can say, here's Jesus Christ. Yeah, you need, you need a leader that's going to lead you to Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's our goal. Our goal is to lead people to be more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think a man can do that in a women's group. A Amen. qualified shepherd can do that. Amen. Yeah. Was there anything else um, in your mind that the naysayer was kind of, well, to or me, would pick, pick at this at? I think to me the naysayers that I've kind of talked to don't understand how a man can really help a woman through specific issues. Gotcha. And I'm acknowledging at some level I can because I can tell you what God says. And at some level, um, for some of the wisdom, I'm relying on the other women in the group. But to be fair, it's the same thing in the men's group. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I say you really should talk to so-and-so about handling teenagers and not me. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing in the men's group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like there are yeah. guys in the church who raise teenagers. Their teenagers are out walking to the Lord. Those guys have wisdom. Yeah. What'd you do? How'd yeah. you do it? Yeah. What, what were the challenges? How'd you navigate? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And those guys even understand, Hey, it's by God's grace. Like those guys even understand we didn't produce our kids, you know? And so, you know, you hope in those situations that the guy even reminds them like, Hey, you can't produce your kids. Right. And it's just all sorts of problems. Nepotism creates problems. Yep. Yep. The assumption that because dad's good, son's good is really not a good idea. Mm. That's a really bad thought. Yeah. Or because mom's good, daughter's good. Nope. That's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
So for me, uh, the naysay- that might be the naysayer's thought. Can a man really relate to a woman? Well, yes, I can. Uh, we're both sinful human beings. We both have unique personalities. We're both made in God's image. Um, we both have a sin problem. We both have the same Savior. And both of us are being conformed to the image of the Savior. I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even if I'm wrong, I'm going to learn with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, I think um, it's it's not like, I think you're working through the the process is part of it, right? It's like yes. you're working through uh, through the process with somebody trying to follow Christ and like that little turn that you have to make, um, nautical turn, what did you call it? <laughs> yeah, nap point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got to make that turn sometimes because, oh, maybe that didn't work because maybe the wisdom you know, fell short or something or, or just yeah. didn't fit their situation or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, you need to make changes. It's not necessarily wrong. It just didn't work out. Yeah. I think that's probably, you just said something that's probably really, 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 really a huge, 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 like probably needs to be emphasized more than it's been emphasized. Um, ministry and change is more of a process than it is a one-time event. Yes. Because we are all having to process and learn as we, as we process something, you have to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, painting is interesting. On the one hand, you can look at the way somebody paints it and then you can grab a brush and try to duplicate it. But what you learn is there's a lot of information here and how you load your brush, the amount of paint you use, the amount of water you put in your paint um, the way you layer it, how you add the layers, how you, the brush stroke, all of that starts to come together. And you realize you can't just watch somebody do it once and go do it. You've got to learn all of that. And putting all of that together is a process. So somebody who starts painting, their first painting and their painting from a year from now, they're going to look different. If the person has continued to be a learner throughout the time, you're going to notice the better changes because the person is starting to learn all those intricacies to painting and putting them all together, mm-hmm. which becomes, again, that process is as important sometimes as the final product. Mm, I agree. I agree. Cause I, I mean, I think that's why you always feel like at the end of the year, it's like, gosh, I felt like I, I learned a lot. Yes. And I've, it's the same thing. Like, how can I learn more? Yeah, it's we're still learning Christ, and then the next year, same thing. It's like I feel like I learned a lot. I'm still learning. What's going on? Yeah. Like, why am I still learning? It's because there's so much that you don't, you actually don't know. Yeah. Well, and it's I don't know if you're like me. It's hard for me to look back and be like, oh, on this date I learned this, on this date I learned this, on this date I learned this. At some point, you go, wow, my thinking's changed on this, mm-hmm. and you kind of go, what? Why did my thinking change? You know, it's like Ramil. We were talking at the elders, and Ramil said something about like. You know, sometimes with the younger guys, they want it super black and white. And he's like, I don't want to go back to thinking like that. He mm-hmm. said, I hear them talk and it's where I was 10 years ago. And I don't want to go back to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he can't sit there and say, you know, on February 23rd, this change happened and I've never thought like that since. It's over time he became exposed to the problems of thinking like that, navigated the problems, rechanged the way he addresses issues still with the fear of God in his mind, still with the desire to serve, still with the desire to honor God in his actions. But right. He can't look back and be like, yeah, see these three, these three events. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that's probably, boy, that's, that's, that's gotta be a logical fallacy in people. 
you know, cause you, have you ever heard that question? Like people ask like icebreaker, name an event in your life that really changed you. Mm. And the movies do this all the time, right? Where they, where they, they create a movie and there's a conflict and that conflict is like this life altering conflict. Well, the reality is most of us don't have one event in life that changes us. We are processingly changingly over. I just, I'm making up words. now. <laughs> we are processing and changing slowly over time to where a lot of us are not the same person we were five years ago, but there's not like one catastrophic event that did it. Mm-hmm. You know, now there may be a similar conflict that, that was kept coming up over and over and over and over and over again that we learn how to finally navigate around, but we didn't just, most of us don't just change overnight. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's, there's big learning moments. Yes. Um, but the, the, but you're talking about the, like the amalgamation of like all the little things that you learn. Yes you know, it, 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 it amounts to something different at the end. It's, it's what sanctification truly looks like, I guess. Yeah. Like you're slowly being made into the image of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, think about your soundboard. Mm -hmm. How many different knobs are there on a soundboard? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know these things. Uh, There's more than one. Yeah. I mean, even in your car, you got bass, treble, balance, Fade. Fade. Front and back. Uh, yeah. So, right, like you kind of slowly fine-tune those. Mm-hmm. And that's why they say a good soundboard operator can listen and arrive at the nuanced distinctions quicker than a less experienced. Mm-hmm. But, again, they're not just turning one knob and be like, oh, if we just set the volume at six, it's good. It's like, hey, no, for, for this singer, we need to adjust this for this change this for this and shift this for this. But for this singer, let's, let's kind of shift these four things. Yeah. And now harmonize together. This sounds better than if we just left it on neutral. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, (laughs) this is outside my wheel, but the analogy is there. That's what I want. The analogy more than the accuracy. That works. Some, some guy in the soundboard team is like, what are you talking about? Yeah. He's going to listen to this and be like, you don't even know. And I'll be like, that's right. (laughs) <laughs> but I know you've never made me sound Scottish from the pulpit. And that I have against you. They don't have that knob. Yeah, that's, I know. It stings. So, I don't know. All that to say, I think, obviously, I think men can lead women. Mm. Um, I also think women can confront men. Yeah. So, I mean, in ministry, I think women can encourage men. I think there's obviously, like, for some people, they're really worried about the boundaries. And I think that's fair. But if you understand, hey, this woman's not my wife, you're not trying to take her out on a date. Right. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? You're like, yeah. the last thing you want to do is, as a guy with somebody who's not your spouse is, hey, let's go have a date. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. There's a lot of wisdom. I mean, you don't just walk up to any woman and just give her whatever advice is on the top of your head. Yes. I mean, come on. Yeah, no, that would be not. Well, but you don't do it. You shouldn't do that with anybody. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should. Yeah. Any person. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's just make it rule. Before you minister, understand. Yes. And if the person doesn't want to spill their beans to you, probably that's God's way of saying, nope, not this door. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's okay, too. Yeah. That's okay. You don't have to force your, your wisdom on somebody. Yeah. Well, and that maybe that's a question, too, that might, I mean, they say right now, what about boundaries? Are you worried about crossing those boundaries? Mm. And again, I go, I go back to what is a shepherd? Has God said to us, men, shepherds of the church, don't be friends with the women in your church because 
it may violate you and your wife's relationship. And as a shepherd, I think about that differently. Like my wife is my wife. Mm-hmm. Other women are not my wife. Right. Okay. So my wife is attractive to me in a different way than another woman in the church. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Like, so I don't even look at the other woman and go, Oh, let's think about that. No, that's not at all a part of the process mm-hmm. of a shepherd. Like you're thinking, how do I help you be more like Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. So you're not afraid of a friendship, but you're also aware that you're not going to, you're not going to do anything that violates you and your wife's relationship because that's a unique, special relationship. Um, so you're not even going to do that for your wife's sake, right? Cause you don't want your wife at all to be like, what are you doing? What, 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 who are you talking to? Like, what are you spilling to her? You know what I mean? So the fact that you even understand that your wife is your wife and that's a unique, special relationship. Then you can look at the other women in the church and say, Hey, the, these are relationships that God has put, right? I'm still going to have to give an account for the way I shepherd the women of the church, the children of the church, the teenagers of the church, the men of the church, so you can't, as a shepherd, say, hey, I can't be friends with you because you're a woman. Mm-hmm. It's, hey, we can be friends, but we're going to navigate this friendship in the context of the church relationship. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with a woman coming up to me after service asking six specific questions. Again, that's the appropriate time for that to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So some of the, like, I'm just thinking back to like some of the more like, some of the more black and white minded people, well, you can't ever be friends with any woman at the church. Well, come on guys. Yeah. That's weird. Like, like I get way I get the fear. The fear is trying to have a relationship with it, with somebody who's not your wife in a way that would, that's only designed for you and your wife. Yeah. You know, let's just be honest the, the elephant in that discussion is, Hey, how do we prevent adultery? Amen. Like, yeah, yeah nobody wants to sleep with somebody who's not their spouse. Yeah. In their right mind, right, or, or even like or even more innocuous, an unhealthy relationship. Yes, there's such a there's such a thing as that. Yes, yeah, yeah, and this is why if you if for a shepherd, if you and your wife's relationship is not good, it's why you need to not be in the shepherding role. Mm. You need to not be an elder. Mm-hmm. Um, if your wife doesn't trust you, then you're not ready for pastoral ministry. You're not ready for elder ministry, right? Because your wife should have complete confidence that she sees you fully, that she knows that you see her only in that way and not worried about other women in that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really good. That's really helpful. Um, yeah, because you don't want to minister. You, you don't want to not minister because of fear. Yes. But you also want to understand and be wise about what that should look like. Yes. So there, there is a lot of wisdom in there. Yes. Yeah, yeah but... Because again, like there are times where the elders might need to text a woman in the church for a specific reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've heard people say, well, that's inappropriate. Again, as the shepherd of the church, Mm -hmm. it is not shepherd the men and hopefully reach the women. Right. It's you have to shepherd the flock. One of the beauties that I love about text messages is it's there for everybody to see. Mm -hmm. Oh, you don't like that I text my my assistant? Well, here's what I said. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, there's nothing inappropriate about that. Right. Because why would you pursue an inappropriate relationship with somebody who's not your wife if you're trying to shepherd them? Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, the, I mean, obviously, there, there would be people who disagree with that, but that's okay, too. 
Yeah. And again, follow your conscience. Mm-hmm. But just realize the goal of us elders is to enjoy the relationship we have with our wife and the husband-wife relationship and to shepherd everybody in the church to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. The goal is not to muddy those waters. Mm-hmm. Now, and again, people are like, well, but the human heart's sinful. Of course it is. But when your goal is to shepherd people, you cannot have the goal of shepherding the opposite gender and wanting to sleep with the opposite gender at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you let's, let's, let's be honest, even in this day and age, your goal cannot be to shepherd somebody who's not your spouse and want to sleep with that person. Mm-hmm. Cause there are apparently pastors out there that have been caught yep. in homosexual relationships. Yep. So to, to commit that act is to have a different agenda. So I'm talking at heart level agenda. Your agenda is to shepherd the people. Mm-hmm. And when your goal is to shepherd the people, your goal is to influence them to Christ. So you can't have that goal and a sexual goal at the same time. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Nope. It's one or the other. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because you are actually trying to now shepherd every individual in a way to where that person's spouse and kids would be comfortable with the way you shepherd them as well. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Agreed. Yes. It am, does. I, am I out to lunch on this? I don't think so. No. Okay. I mean, because you're right. Um, how, how, okay. I, the question is if, like, how do you shepherd then yes. the flock of God yes. among you? You have to have some kind of communication, you yes. have to have some kind of involvement in the life. Yes. But you also have to have, um, but you also have to be wise too. Yes. Yes. Um, so, I think about it as like, as trying to maintain business professional. Yes. You know, like some, some guys go to work and they're in an office with another woman for an hour and a half until anybody else comes in. Well, in a business professional environment, the business is, is, is what's driving the conduct and you're showing respect to the other individual as a business coworker, right? That relationship is not a sexual, it's, it's not designed to be a sexual relationship, nor should it even be on the agenda. So navigate that relationship in such a way to where you maintain respect so that everybody's family member is comfortable with this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that's why, like, so I hear rules like, hey, well, you don't want to go over to her house. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. And again, why? Because you're, you're trying to also help maintain the respect and image of everybody. So you don't want to do something that then creates some kind of like potential nefarious view. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. But how do you also like navigate if somebody's like, you know, well, then you shouldn't have a woman, you know, assistant. Well, you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. I, I Yeah. I think in the end people who want to honor the Lord um, and understands their goal is what you're saying. Like yes. it, those kinds of things are not going to happen. Yeah. And they're pursuing that goal. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because again, you are trying to not only minister to individual, but families always navigating every relationship in a way that is, I'm going to use the word, even though it's, it's a word lately that, is loaded with other cultural connotations. You're trying to navigate everything in a safe way. Yeah. Yeah. But if you allow the fear of criticism to drive you, I do think at some point you might not minister to those people. Mm -hmm. 
By the way, Jesus ministered to women. I mean, I think of Mary and Martha. Yes. Just how just Mary just sat at his feet. Yeah. Just wanted to hear, you know, wanted to hear him tell her about, well, himself. <laughs> That's yes. kind of weird. Yeah, it is weird. He's pointing to himself. Yeah. Uh, Sit down, woman. Let me tell you about myself. Yeah. By the way, not what a husband should do. No, Honey, sit down on my feet while I tell you about myself. No, you yeah, know, that's not that's not how it goes. Yeah. But that's also, um, yeah. And when he was with the woman at the well, he was with her by himself for a while. Mm-hmm. And again, th- this is my point: when your goal is to lead people to Christ, it, it I I really don't think the environment at that point matters mm-hmm. because you are not thinking about those things, and. If you're trained rightfully to think about your wife, your wife is the only sexually beautiful woman in the world. Mm-hmm. Regardless, everybody else is not that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you're like you don't look at other people and think sexually beautiful. You're not like lust dies to the desire to serve people Christ. Mm-hmm. You can't lust after somebody, man or woman, and have a desire to serve them Christ. Mm-hmm. You just it's impossible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I agree the human heart is wicked. I agree things happen. This this to me is why shepherds have to be have a good relationship with their spouse. Because if your relationship with your spouse is bad, the human heart is probably going to start to wonder into could I do better? Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The the horror stories we hear of pastors fallen due to adultery is it's not because they broke a rule about going out to lunch with another woman. It's because they were not shepherd-minded in their ministry. And probably the crack is further down into the foundation more than more than we realize. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. At the surface level, it's just easy to say, oh, they broke the rule. Mm-hmm. The problem is something else was wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I mean... It, look, you could, you can find a way yes. to mess around. If yes. you like, if you wanted to hide it, you can. Yes. So, but yeah, what you're saying is, is, is absolutely right. Um, if your goal is to serve the person, you are not going to um, try to fulfill the, the lust of your heart. Yes. Because they're, 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 they're opposites. Yes. To serve is not to fulfill yourself. It's yes. to, to serve the other person. And even if, right, so somebody might say, well, yeah, you might be good, but she becomes the temptress to you. Mm-hmm. Well, again, as, as strong as that temptress might be, and let's say she's really crafty and really good. Mm-hmm. If you're really convinced and convicted of the need, and I'm, I'm by convicted I mean strong convictions, not oh I'm convicted of the sin I'm in, but strong convictions. If your convictions are strong, even her temptress is listen. You the fact that you're even doing treating me in this way means you need Jesus Christ. And in your attitude and your actions right now, this is not beneficial. So I'm going to go ahead and. And I'm going to leave the coffee shop. I'm going to leave this counseling session. And, and we're, going to, we're going to come back and talk about this later. And I'm probably going to bring another elder with me at this point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because this is a problem you're having. We are not going to solve this problem now while you're in this state. Mm-hmm. So let's come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to give those kind of like situational things. It is. 
And to be fair, they don't really pop up in our ministry. Right. Uh, so there's a, there's this a, is for the naysayer. Yeah. I think, I think I'm just trying to think through different kind of like naysayer yeah. thoughts. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And I agree. Like protect your wife, protect that relationship. But I think you protect it most by loving Jesus Christ and serving her in a way that loves Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. if that's your goal, she's valuable to you for three reasons. See, other, other believers are valuable to me for two reasons. You're made in God's image, and you're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. My wife is valuable to me for three reasons. She's made in the image of God. She's born again. She's been um, redeemed by the blood of Christ. And she's my one flesh. Mm-hmm. So that that's Kyla has three precious gems, whereas everybody else only has two precious gems. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the Bible's distinct in those three precious gems and what that means for her and I. I Other women like, don't have that third one. I feel like that's a shirt somewhere. My, my, my one flesh. My wife so is my sweet. three. My yeah. wife is my wife has three stones. <laughs> Babe, you don't uh, need a different wedding ring. You don't uh, need a bigger diamond. Thought, you already have three amazing <laughs> precious stones. You have the cornerstone. Wow. Wow. Well, I thought this was going to be a short. I just I just gave short podcast. Great advice. I just help people save money on jewelry. That's what yeah. I just did. You're welcome, Ben. Yeah, you can send the ribeye this way. The amount of money I just saved you, you can give me a ribeye. Well, is there? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think we hit everything. Yeah, this, boy, we I, really went off on this. I, this last I little thought like, it was a thirty-minute podcast. Well, I did too, but this last part, I we, yeah. that was not in the pre-notes. Yeah. I don't know how we went down that road. I think well, I was just thinking of the naysayers. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. we were kind of going down and seeing if there's anything else a naysayer would say. Yes. But yeah, I think. Uh, but that's. A, I think that's a valid discussion too. I think that's probably. If that was in our mind, it would probably be be in someone else's. So yes. Now, all of this kind of will lead up to the next podcast, hopefully, um, about gray issues. I mean, I don't know how much this leads up to it. But this is on our. That's been on, on the. Agenda. That's been in the docket for a while, though. It has. We'll see. Well, we'll I. See. I really want to talk about it. Okay. Because. Um, People don't want to sin. Mm-hmm. And you see other people do things, and you look at the Bible and you go, oh, but we're not to be drunks. So what about, what What are you doing drinking a glass of bourbon? Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about that. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, so there's there's all sorts of gray issues. Halloween. Yeah. That's why we need to talk about it in October, because yeah. Halloween's coming up. Can't worship the devil. Nope, can't do that. Can't. Um, and asceticism is a form of the false gospel. So Paul even says it's not worship to just list a bunch of rules and follow the rules. He's like, that's not the gospel. Colossians chapter two. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think asceticism is like a form of self-service, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Okay, we're get, we're getting into another pot. I know, but I'm excited about this one because it's it it's. But I get why it's tough. Yeah, even this men and women issue stuff, it's tough because you have heart issues, you have actions, and you, the Bible addresses both. But you can have right motives, wrong actions. You can have wrong motives, right actions, and the Bible says we need to have right motives and right actions. Mm. And that's why the gray thing gets tough. That's a good Venn diagram somewhere. It should be. Mm. Uh, who can come up with this <laughs> Venn diagram? If you can Venn diagram that yeah. uh, and turn it into us, 
we will reward you with points and. Yes. I don't know what the end is yet. Yeah. But you see the point, right? Risk it. And then what makes it even more difficult is, like, right, for some people, physiologically, their bodies respond differently to different things. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes a wisdom issue, too. Yep. Which is why, which is why gray issues are so tough. Yep. Agreed. Yep. And the goal is to minister Christ not to bow the knee to the weaker brother. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a third issue I have with that discussion because in a lot of people, they just bow the knee to the weaker brother and make a rule and say, it's love forgetting that what Paul says is, well, actually you need to address the weaker brother so that they're no longer the weaker brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that the weaker brother needs to go to a bar and drink it up. It means that the weaker brother needs to realize and quit judging people based on his or her false standards. Yeah. So, right, the weaker brother doesn't have to start celebrating Halloween, but the weaker brother needs to stop judging people, needs to learn why it's wrong to judge people for Halloween. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, all my kids were doing at Halloween was putting a costume on and asking for candy. Mm-hmm. It was a, it's a giant socialism. Yeah. I think experiment. you need to, yeah, we're going to need to define what participate means. Yes. You know what I mean? And then... We taught them about taxes when we pulled all the Reese's peanut butter cups. From. Oh, yeah. See, yeah. so, I mean, Halloween a, becomes a government learning experiment. Yeah. Here's why socialism fails, mm. and, and here's how taxes play into this. <laughs> all right. Well, that was, I don't know how we're going to navigate that. It's a big preview. You, you wasted all the bullets. I was. There. Well, I got Joking. more. I know. It's just crazy. All right. I'm going to do this little in music, and we'll chat with people later. <laughs>